Welcome to the New England Football Show. I'm John Sarnitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, Kevin Stone. And tonight, we're joined by former Patriots running back, Jonas Gray. Jonas, good evening, sir. How are you? Hey, how you guys doing? How's it going, fellas? Appreciate you joining us, man. Thank you. It's oh, going yeah. all right. It's going all right. You know what? Uh, we're, we're heading into summer here, final week of spring. Uh, the weather's been nice and warm, just like we we like it. At least I think that's how people like it. I mean, people are a little finicky up here when it comes to the weather. But uh, but it's going all right. So, Jonas, again, like I said, thank you for taking the time. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. Kevin, you go first. I'll give you the honors of asking the first question to our guest tonight. Yeah, Jonas, we're switching it up just for you. Uh, so, obviously, <laughs> you know, before we get into all the football and um, your time at Notre Dame and with the Patriots, um, just a little bit about what you're doing now and uh, the endeavors that, that you're taking on. And uh, I know Athletes Plus is probably the main one, but um, what, what have you been up to? And um, what, what are you doing around here right now? Yeah, so most of what I've been up to, man, is just, uh, you know, being a dad, being a family man and, you know, taking care of my family. And outside of that, like you guys talked about, it's Athletes Plus, um, you know, just I have a uh, consulting firm. And basically what I did was I kind of combined um, two different business models, you know, a personal trainer and a high performance consultant. Um, so I kind of, you know, kind of put those two together because of what I learned from my time playing NFL and, you know, playing sports and then all the learned experience post my career. Um, you know, I've, I've just learned that you need that holistic approach to everything that you do. So you need the, you know, the strength and conditioning, but you also need to organize your routine and things like that. So that's what my specialty specialty is and, and my expert um, you know, is really trying to help people organize the routine and get the best out of their day. Yeah, that's so important nowadays, especially in this day and age with, with college recruiting and how competitive it is. And I'm sure for you, I mean, you've gone through it. You've been through that process. I'm sure you can really shed some light in terms of what that process is like through your company. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and even now, um, you know, it, it's a – you know, nowadays, ecosystem for high school athletes is totally different than when I played. You know, even when it came to film, you know, they have the huddles. They didn't even have the huddle stuff. You know, I was one of the first athletes to throw my stuff on YouTube. <laughs> you know, people didn't even really, like, I, I'd go to different track meets, you know, in different states, and then people would recognize me from my YouTube clips, you know, not from anything else. So, um, you know, it is funny that, you know, working with athletes now, there's a lot of things that are available for them that weren't back then, but it also gives me an opportunity to help them in, in different ways and, you know, different steps they may have to take. Um, so having both ends, the new school with the old school. So that's what I try to combine. So you were a four-star recruit out of Detroit Country Day, and you were heavily recruited out of high school. You ultimately chose to play at Notre Dame. Talk a little bit about that experience, playing at Notre Dame, playing for one of the most prestigious football programs in all of college football. Yeah, um, it, it was great. It was awesome. It, it was a lot of pressure, um, just like, you know, playing for the pass or just like going into the NFL. Um, you know, it was a lot of pressure, but it gave me pretty much exactly what I needed at the time and then gave me more than what I needed when I didn't even realize it, um, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, first coming in, you know, you know, kind of wet behind the ears, not really knowing what to expect um, and having a lot of growing pains. 
Um, you know, at times I would think, you know, it was just enough, just enough of the academics, just enough of the social life. Um, so it was great. But then all the other things that came with it, you know, the tradition, playing in the big venues, you know, having a chance to play at Yankee Stadium, you know, having a chance to play at all these different NFL stadiums, you know, uh, meeting, you know, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, you know, he came to a game and came and spoke to the team and then, you know, meeting Taylor Swift, like, so that was the spectrum I had, you know, from Chief Justice John Roberts to Taylor Swift, like, so it was just a cool experience. And then, you know, having two great coaches with Charlie Weiss and then Brian Kelly, um, it was really, you know, just a great, great experience. So a little bit more about that, you know, that experience. Um, coming in, you said, even you just admitted you were wet behind the ears. Um, how difficult was, you know, getting your shot? And then once you did get it, um, what lessons did you learn, I guess, A, to get there, and then B, to kind of maintain your position? Yeah, uh, man, that's, Kevin, that's a great question. Uh, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the wet behind the ears part, it comes a lot in terms of, what program you either go into or what program you come from. Mm -hmm. You know, in high school, it was a lot of, you know, I came from a good program, but it was a lot of Jonas Gray right and Jonas Gray left. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of the X's and O's. And then coming in and having Charlie Weiss, who literally had an NFL offense, yeah. made it very tough for me, you know, learning different terminology and learning those different things. Um, so, you know, it, it made it tough in that experience and learning how to really learn a playbook really study, you know, studying film and, you know, doing all the things behind the scenes until I finally got an opportunity is kind of what helped me in my career in the NFL. Um, you know, knowing that you have to do all that behind the scenes work, you know, it's all about, you know, what are you doing when nobody's watching, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, so that was great. But then when I did, you know, really touch the field and get, you know, a great opportunity to play my very first carry my senior year, I fumbled. Uh, and they took it and we were playing South Florida and they took it back for 97 yards for a touchdown. So that was my very first carry my senior year um, at ND. And then to go on and finish the way I did, um, you know, in terms of just, you know, being a starter on the team and have an opportunity to actually go into the NFL uh, was just satisfying. It just shows how much, you know, in between the hard work and what it takes to get there. How important is it for young people, when you look at your story, I mean, you had to, in essence, wait your turn. And then when you finally get your shot, it was a crowded backfield, you'd make the most of it. Then, of course, you end up having the knee injury. But perseverance is a big part of your backstory. How important is it for young people to understand today that in order to achieve, in order to get to where you want to go, perseverance is a big part of it because you're not always going to get what you want. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, it's like the old saying in a, in a lot of the journeys, there's no straight line, you know, there's straight, no straight line of success. Um, you know, there was a lot of bumps in the road, you know, just in terms of just competition, you know what I mean? You know, like you said, going to Notre Dame, just like going to a lot of these other big schools every year, there's going to be a good player, or a good player at your position. Um, you're either going to, you're going to hear about them. There's a good chance that you may be, may even have to walk them around the facility um, as your personal recruit. So um, you, you learn those different things, but then you just you learn how to keep a competitive edge about yourself um, and keep a, you know, kind of a uncommon belief in yourself. Um, so that's the biggest thing about perseverance. You know, when I was playing at Notre Dame and then not having the initial opportunity and I was even thinking that sometimes 
you know, maybe I'm going to transfer. You know, I was real close to even thinking about transferring to Stanford at the time. And I remember thinking about it and I was like, my mom said, this is your plan A. You know, this is your plan A for a reason. Stick with it. See what happens. If it doesn't work out, at least you got a great education. You know, I wasn't trying to hear that part, but um, I, I knew that eventually I was going to get an opportunity if I focused on my own accountability. So that perseverance taught me a lot about myself. Um, so that's why I hope, you know, it's kind of crazy nowadays with this whole transfer portal and guys, you know, leaving right away and then going somewhere else after they've even left that place. You know, a lot of times you just got to be 10 toes down. You know, you got to just be where you're at and make the best out of your situation and you learn a lot about yourself. Um, so that's my advice to the young guys. Sometimes you got to just stick with it. It works out. So in 2012, you go undrafted. You sign as an undrafted free agent with the Miami Dolphins. Talk a little bit about what that was like for you, because I would imagine being a four-star recruit coming out of high school, playing in a major Power 5 program like Notre Dame, to go from being the big fish in a small pond, per se, to now being in the NFL, that's drastically different in terms of a player's mindset to go from, from being a guy who's dependent on and counted on to now a guy who's, who has to basically scrape up the ladder to make a roster. What what was that like for you? You know, it was actually tough. I, I had a role that was unlike any other um, for a number of different reasons. First, when it came to me being undrafted, you know, I going into my senior year, going into those last couple of weeks before I had my ACL surgery, had the ACL knee injury, excuse me, I was projected to go anywhere from the second round to the fifth round. So I knew, you know, somewhere in between there's, you know, giving my testing and giving the senior bowl, all that great stuff, not having an opportunity to do any of that really hurt me. Um, you know, obviously in a big way, but another great thing about Notre Dame, and this is how it all ties in Notre Dame makes you room with a random student when you first get there. So it can be anybody. It can be, you know, lacrosse player. It can be a, basketball player can be a regular student can be a foreign exchange student whoever it is and I happen to get a lacrosse player and still today he's one of my best friends and I end up going on family vacation uh with him and his family to the Hamptons and I end up running into Stephen Ross who at the time was not the owner of the Miami Dolphins but he was getting ready to become the owner of the team and we developed a rapport and I you know we emailed back and forth while I was still at Notre Dame and then when the process was over, you know, I got in a call from Stephen Ross when the draft was over. And he said, Jonas, we're going to take care of you. Come to Miami. We'll rehab you for a year. Don't worry about anything. We want you to get in the best shape of your life. So literally after I hung up that call, I got a call from the Seahawks right after. GM uh, John Schneider, like, man, we want you. We really want you. And I, and I already signed with the Dolphins. So having that relationship, you know, through my Notre Dame ties, really helped me get into the NFL. Um, so it's kind of just a crazy, crazy story when you when you think about that. But, you know, being in that position and then having to be on IR and knowing that all I had to do was just recover and, and get better, you know, it gave me a sense of, you know, patience with my knee. But it also, you know, I felt in the locker room a lot of times that I wasn't one of the guys, you know. And so a lot of times I always felt like I need to show these guys what I can do. Um, and so that's why I was always working so hard with the trainers on the side. And, you know, it was funny. A lot of guys would come to me and say, man, you need to do this. You need to do this to make sure you're on the team. Do this, do that. 
not having any idea that I have this relationship with the owner. <laughs> um, and then later on, they would be released. Like, it was just funny things like that. You know, you play those type of, you know, games sometimes. But, uh, you know, I had a unique experience actually getting into the NFL. So once you're in, uh, two years later, you signed with the Patriots in 2014. Um, don't make the, the team out of camp, but uh, end up being back, brought back on the practice squad. Um, just kind of take me through, you know, what that's like, first of all, you know, hearing that initial ejection, but then getting another opportunity, you know, kind of in a different scenario. Uh, and then what what worked for you? What, you know, what made this one stick? You know, it, it was, um, you know, first, in terms of when I first signed with the Pats, um, you know, I, I knew that it was going to be stiff competition. You know, obviously I had a lot of people telling me, you know, man, you're going to sign with the Patriots? Really think that's the best team to sign with? Because I had just finished on practice squad with the Baltimore Ravens. And they had gone, they, they were a year removed from winning the Super Bowl. And they had pretty much went the entire season with just two running backs. And one of them was Ray Rice. And all that stuff had happened in the offseason. And people was like, okay, this is a great opportunity for you just to stay with the Ravens and make the team. But I decided to do something uncommon, you know, and take a real risk and go sign with the Pats. Um, and so going through that process and the whole training camp and all that stuff, and I knew the third preseason game against the Carolina Panthers when I had a chance to actually be in the backfield with Tom Brady in an actual preseason game that I belonged. That was all the validation I needed. So even if, you know, I wouldn't have made it, you know, and I, and I didn't make it after training camp, I knew that, you know, that, I had, an, I had an opportunity to really do something great in the NFL. And even the year prior, you know, when I went on an, an entire year on Baltimore Ravens practice squad, there was guys on the team when I was practicing against the, the, the starting defense, they are like, man, you gave us a better look than Adrian Peterson this week. You know, there was guys, starting defensive players coming up to me, just always telling me how great of a job I was doing. And I knew after that injury, that knee injury, I had to just let it loose. So that's all I did that year with the Ravens and, you know, having the chance to play with the Ravens and then having the chance to play with the Pats right after that, two of the best teams in the league, I knew I belonged. That was everything I needed, uh, even if I didn't make it initially. So your life changes on November 16th, 2014, of course. You had a night to remember uh, against the Indianapolis Colts in a 42-20 to win. Uh, you carried the ball 38 times for 204 yards and four touchdowns. Obviously, that that is a record-setting performance. First of all, talk about going into that week, what it was like. I mean, I, I would imagine that Coach Belichick, Coach, Coach McDaniels, Coach Fears probably told you, hey, listen, you were getting the reps. You're going to be a big part of the plan this week. But, but then to take that preparation and then to apply it the way you did and have this career night – one of the greatest rushing performances in league history. What was that like? Because that that for you that had to be like, whoa, did I just do that? Yeah, it, it was a um, a bit of an out of body out of body experience for sure. Um, you know, I always just say I was in fuego that day. You know, I was just on fire, <laughs> and it was one of them things where, you know, the week before we had played the Chicago Bears and. I had, you know, some pretty good runs in that game. So, you know, it, it just – I knew, like, my confidence was building. It was building to a point to where, 
you know, I was just ready to show everybody what I was capable of doing with extended time on the field, you know? So I already knew that, you know, I wasn't for sure, you know, the game plan, we knew what type of personnel we would be in. We knew that, you know, big people would be our main personnel, but I wasn't sure if it would be, you know, splitting carries with Brandon Bowden a lot. I didn't know if, you know, I Shane was going to do, I really didn't know going into the game. I just knew that there was a potential for my grouping to play more than I had ever played. Um, so I, you know, coming up into that week, I just remember doing everything I could to get my body right. And it was like something I kind of knew innately. Like I was doing all the little small things and taking advantage of everything they had at the facility. Um, so it was like one of those things where I was ready for the moment in almost every aspect from the film study to physically, to even in terms of, you know, getting that momentum from the game before. Um, so it was all there for me. And, uh, you know, obviously we had a great game plan. Um, and I, I still feel like there was some yards out there I left too. So <laughs> I feel like I could have ran for 300 maybe. Well, I mean, if you if you think you left yards out there, my friend, there couldn't have been that many. I mean, you, you had 204 yards. But, but, you know, you talked about this earlier, going from the Baltimore Ravens to the New England Patriots. And the Ravens offensively, didn't run what they run now. I mean, I th when I think about what they run now, and I look at a guy like Gus Edwards, who I think you're very similar to, I think you would have been a tremendous fit in their offense now, your size, your running style. But but even then, I mean, in those years, they, they, they ran the football a fair amount. They were a physical team. You come here where it's a more game plan specific offense. That was the week where, you know what, you felt – when we go big personnel, whether it be 21, 22, uh, 23 personnel, I'm going to get touches. Did you think in your mind that, you know what, it doesn't matter what the system is, I think I can play as long as I get the carries, I think I can make the most of them? Or did you think, you know what, I needed to be in a situation where it was the right fit for me? Because, again, a lot of people would have said, wait a minute, Baltimore and New England, schematically, Baltimore's the better fit. Yeah, I, I wasn't. You know, exactly. I feel like I was in that point, you know, in my career where I was just like, whatever system that I would get in, I'd be able to have some success. You know, partly was because of my time at Notre Dame, you know, playing under Brian Kelly's system was a lot different than, you know, anything I would have played in the NFL. So having those different type of, you know, gun runs and all those different sets and going out of the pistol and, you know, it actually helped me in a lot of ways be prepared for, what would happen in the game plan situations. You know, it was times we came out in pistol. There was times where, you know, we had some gun runs and I was always, you know, I kind of knew what type of steps to take. You know, I was always kind of familiar in terms of muscle memory of doing those type of things. So I knew I could play in any type of offense. So just as a quick aside on that game, Jonas, I still, it's so memorable. I still remember what bar I was at uh, and the people I was with. So, uh, that's a that's quite a memory, but uh, just the overall day to day, uh, being in Gillette Stadium and and being a member of the Patriots, obviously we don't necessarily see you know a lot of you know what goes on, especially with that organization. Uh, just kind of take us through what it's like in that building on a day to day process, you know, during the season. Yeah, it's just a grind. Um, it's you know nonstop you know, people always trying to, you know, find a way to develop their routine. Um, you know, people always trying to get better um, in, in many different ways. It's all about 
teaching. You know what I mean? They really, you know, have a high standard on the things that matter. You know what I mean? There's a lot of teams around the league that just do a lot of things that just don't matter. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, the Pats keep it exactly where it needs to be on the things that matter. And then at the same time, you know, they've created, you know, you know, the Patriot way, which is, you know, the leaders lead from the, from the beginning, you know, the leaders lead and the rest of them, they follow, they follow the leaders. And, you know, if you got a leader like Tom Brady, when I was there and Vince Woolfolk, when I was there, those are leaders that anybody can rally behind. Um, so it was one of those formulas where you followed the leader, you know, it was all about the grind and trying to do the best you can to create a great routine. You know, there was times where, and I was on different teams and, as soon as the bell would be over, like the end of the day, guys would be smoking out of the parking lot. You would see like Fast and Furious 9, like all these <laughs> cars leaving out of the parking lot. But with the Pats, it was like, man, you're leaving now? You know, it was like you need to stick around to do everything you need to do. Like the day isn't over. You got another part of the day um, to get better. So it was just that constant, um, you know, that constant teaching. You know, there was I've never had a team where I did more walkthroughs. You know, literally, there's nothing but teaching going on. You know, you're walking through in the tiniest of hotels, the tiniest of rooms, but whatever it is, it's all teaching. It's all, you know, making sure to give you those reminders and those tips. And then they actually happen in the game. Um, that's the most incredible part about it. So there's a lot of trust involved as well. You know, you trust what Bill has to say. You trust with the trainer and, and the medical staff. There's a lot of trust that goes in and, you know, having a well-oiled machine year after year. Um, so, you know, that was one thing that really stood out was how much everybody trusted each other and kept it about the team. Just, oh, sorry, John, just a quick follow-up. Um, Bill Belichick obviously gets a bad rap. What is he like, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, yeah, exactly. I think Bill does get a bad rap. I think that, you know, in the beginning, I think Bill – it was really keenly in understanding and aware of this, that the league changed at some point in terms of it being in terms of it, putting a premium on it being a player friendly environment, you know? So in the beginning, I think that, you know, especially in my time there, Bill wasn't necessarily as, as worried about having it be a player friendly environment because a lot of guys would want to come play there because of the success they had because of Tom, because of, you know, the guys they have there. But when all of that kind of went away, you could start to see people say, you know, I'm not going to New England. No, I'm okay. I don't, I don't want to go there. And I think a lot of ways, you know, Cam, you know, coming out and saying, you know, Bill's a cool guy. He's a real historian about the game. I think in a lot of ways that saved face for Bill in terms of making it a player-friendly environment. And I think he's finally starting to understand that. Um, and loosening up on certain things. And, you know, even when I was playing, he kept calling it Insta-Face and, you know, <laughs> Snap-Face. But now I think he has one, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things where he, or he uses it, you know what I mean? So he, um, you know, has, has found a way to, you know, develop himself, you know, to look at himself in the mirror and have some accountability for himself. And for someone that's had so much success as he had to still – you know, think about growth is the sign of just a great leader. You know what I mean? He's always constantly worried about growth. And, you know, Bill is, he is a cool guy. You can have a beer with him and sit down. And But he is also a historian about the game. 
He's very businesslike. And, and, and I found it interesting that you mentioned the number of walkthroughs that you guys did. And obviously, the Patriots are known for their emphasis on situations. Not that, that other teams don't. I mean, look, if you're a good co head coach and, and you have a good staff, I don't care what the level is. I've been in coaching for almost 30 years. You emphasize situations. That's why Thursdays at the high school level or, or Fridays at the college level or Saturdays in the NFL are your walkthrough days because those are the days that you're really going to go through your, your situations, your two-minute offense, four-minute offense, certain special team situations that might come up and whatnot. But but the emphasis on situations and 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 the focus on ensuring that that things go the way you want them to go. Obviously, all of that time and effort that you put into situations came to fruition in Super Bowl 49. How cool is it for you knowing that you contributed to a team that won a Super Bowl championship? Oh, uh, it's huge. Um, you know, obviously they say you either got it or you don't once you leave. You know, you either, you either, got, either got a ring or you nice. don't. You know, once you I leave. got a couple of those. High school version, but I do have a couple. <laughs> right, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that, that's what they say. You either got it or you don't. You know, it's been so many great players who have come through the NFL. And, you know, Chris Carter, Dan Marino, guys who have never won it. You know, never had a chance to even have that opportunity. So it was great. And then – you know, to have it be such an iconic season, you know what I mean? Like the Malcolm Butler interception, you know, the way that we won the Super Bowl, you know. And that goes to what you said earlier, Jonas, about the walkthroughs and the situations. That's the best example probably in NFL history of why it's important to practice situations. And it's so crazy they actually caught that on film of them practicing that play. Just imagine if they would have missed that. You know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. that is something key that people need to see. Like he was literally practicing that play before he did it. But, you know, it was just a really iconic season. You know, that interception, win the Super Bowl, deflate gate, um, you know, all of that, you know, do your job on the Cincinnati. That was all during the same season. And even, you know, my game as well. So it was one of the most iconic seasons, I think, ever. Um, so, you know, most iconic Super Bowl teams ever, you know, having Darrell Revis and Tom Brady and, you know, just to play with greats like that, um, you know, I can, you know, tell my kids about things like that is is awesome. Along those lines, real quick too, uh, before I get to my my last one, uh, Ernie Adams, what what can you tell us about him, if anything? Uh, he's obviously, you know, the most interesting man in the world, basically in New England. So, uh, is there anything you can tell us about him? I mean, Ernie's just an awesome guy. I mean, I can't say enough great things about Ernie. I don't know how a guy like that who has been doing it for so long stays as sharp as he does. I mean, he's remembering. There's been times where he's pulled me to the side about things that happened in training camp that he remembers to a T. And we're in the middle of the season. Um, he's just, you know, one of those guys that's always in the shadows, always, you know, marking things on his paper, always – you know, all about the preparation, um, you know, just, you know, it's a great guy to be around. Um, I, I can't believe he's lasted this long. Him and both, uh, him and the running backs coach, Ivan Fierce, like them two together to be have doing this as long as they have and has success is just, you know, my hat's off to Ernie, man. He's just, just a solid guy, you know, one of the best. And then, you know, seeing, you know, Bill give him that award, you know, this off season, um, just, you know, Ernie's just a great guy, man. I'm so happy for him, and uh, hopefully after this year he gets to ride on to the sunset with a Super Bowl. 
And, and we often hear coaches say, you know, you win with people. Um, Jeff Haffer, the Boston coach, Boston College coach around here, says it a lot. And uh, just your experience overall, what, what was it like first, um, you know, with building relationships uh, and just the overall experience of, of being a Patriot? Um, how would you describe it? Yeah, I, you know what's crazy? Being a Patriot is a lot like playing at Notre Dame. You know, the pressure, um, you know, how demanding it is, the expectation you're supposed to win, um, you know, the grueling schedule, the demanding coaches, um, all of it. And, you know, it was great just to, you know, the fan base, too, in New England. Um, you know, they're just such great fans. They're so knowledgeable about football. They're spoiled, too, but, you know, they're, they're knowledgeable about football. Um, and it was just so great to just be able to, you know, wear that Patriot patch and then to give back in the community. Uh, you know, that was the best part. You know, it was kind of like being the mayor wherever you went. Um, no matter where you were, you were the main attraction. No matter if you were the last guy in the roster, um, you know, then there's not many organizations like that uh, who have the, you know, great fan base, who give great, you know, give back to the community as much as the Patriots do and then have their success on the field. So, you know, it was just, you know, one of those things that was everything that you could want, you know, as a player, um, you know, great competition, you know, playing with great players and, you know, watching Tom Brady up close and personal and seeing him, you know, try to beat his personal record in the shuttle 12 times. You know, watching guys like that, watching Darrell Revis and Julian Edelman go at it one-on-one in practice, like, you know, getting a chance to be a part of that competitive environment just, like, prepared me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I I've been in the I've been in the huddle with Gronk and Tom Brady, you know, Nothing can stop me, you know, <laughs> nothing can slow me down, man. I, I've seen it and I've done it. Um, and then so to play with the Pats um, and to build those relationships with those guys um, means the world to me. Typically, or I shouldn't say typically, but oftentimes guys have played in the NFL are asked after their careers are over, do they feel, do they feel fulfilled? Would you say you're fulfilled with your career, Jonas? No, definitely not. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I say that I was. And, you know, I always think about, like I told you about that Adrian Peterson point that the guy made when I was on practice squad. Um, you know, the year before that, Adrian Peterson had just ran for 2,000 yards. So he was really coming off his best season ever. And to get those comparisons then, and then a year after my time in Baltimore to do what I did against the Colts, there was something there. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. You know, even, you know, going, you know, like you said, being a four-star running back, being a top 50 player in the country, you know, going to Notre Dame, having the success I had, and then recovering from a knee injury to come and do what I did. Like, you can't make that up. That's real hard work. That's talent. You know, that's all of the above. And so I definitely feel like I left some things out there. Um, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of it is just you grow. You know, you're young and you make mistakes and, you know, you just like anybody else. But the one thing about playing football and, you know, playing in the NFL, and particularly playing for the Patriots, you make a mistake, the whole world knows about it. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that you just, you grow from, you be better from it. But I don't think, me personally, I can ever be fulfilled unless I was ever play again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that's the only way. Um, so, but, you know, having the Super Bowl ring and being part of that iconic season, you know, I can't, I can't ask for anything more than that. You know what I mean? Um, 
nothing will ever take my joy away from that time. Do you have any uh, cool stories that you'd like to share from your time with the Patriots that, that you may not have mentioned? Uh, do you have any Tom Brady stories? I mean, obviously he's the GOAT, greatest quarterback of all time. His training regimen, his preparation is legendary. But do you have any stories you want to share from your time with the Patriots and any particular Tom Brady stories, if you have any at all? Yeah, um, I guess my only real Tom Brady story is, um, you know, in the offseason, every offseason we kind of do like a mini combine and we don't do a 40 but we test in a whole different a whole bunch of areas you know the 10 yard your 20 yard shuttle all that and there was just a skill group one day testing and we may have been in here testing for a couple hours you know two hours we're testing and guys were ready to be done you know it was off season the rookies weren't even there yet we're just a veteran group testing like the combine you know what i mean we're ready to be done and Tom literally ran his short shuttle, I think maybe 12 times, just trying to beat his personal record. Um, and every time he did it, every time he did it, you know, I think it wasn't really like to impress us. I think, of course, it has something to do with him, you know, in his own mind trying to beat his personal record. But I think it really was to impress upon the point to us that, you know, this isn't just some, you know, joke around session, you know, this is about really putting the best results out there every single time. Um, and so that's the kind of mentality he had with everything. Um, so, you know, I was obviously, you know, really fortunate to play with a guy like that, man. And um, my, only, my only other story outside of Tom, um, you know, a lot of people don't even know, when I left the Pats and I went, um, so I went to, went to Miami and then when I was released from Miami, I had an opportunity to go back to the Patriots. And I got in a call, my agent got in a call about the Patriots wanting me to come back on practice squad. That was the kicker right there for me that at the time, you know, me being, you know, stuck in my ways and, you know, looking at it like as a slight, you know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, but at the time I had, I had said no. So I, I had my opportunity to go back to the Pats and I decided not to do it. And I had to, you know, plan with the, you know, the Jags after that and, you know, plan for the rest of the season. But there was a number of different reasons why I didn't go back to the Pats. But one of them being, you know, whenever you hear on the waiver wire, you know, it's it's Jonas Gray signed with Patriots practice squad. I wanted the Patriots to come get me. You know what I mean? I wanted us to be under the understanding that when I come back this time, I wasn't going to be on practice squad. I'd already done that. I'd already done that work to get to that point. So it was just kind of like one of those things that I felt like it was another mind game. And so that's why I kind of decided to do my own thing. Um, and those are one of those things that you look back on and you say, was it the right decision? Maybe you could have handled it a little bit better. Maybe I could have had a discussion with Bill about it. But, um, you know, those are one of the you know, stories that people don't really know about. I had an opportunity to go back and decided not to. Well, and ultimately you did what you thought was best for your career at that time, you know, and, and look, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Like we always look back on, on decisions we've made in the past and, and, and we second guess them now, but the truth is at that time, you know what, you felt that you had done enough in your career that you deserved the opportunity to be on an NFL roster and if nothing else, get carries in, in some capacity. Right. And so, 
you know, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Obviously, as you know, in this league, it's fleeting. You know, I mean, you, you're probably – you could speak to that better, better than anyone, that you can go from being here to a, a notch down in no time. And so – um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think the way I look at it, at least, and I'm not trying to placate you in any way, is that you at that time you did what you thought was right for your career. It, is it frustrating playing in, in a system like the Patriots where, look, let's face it, it, it it's and, and I'm not equating reality to fantasy here, but. Patriot running backs in fantasy football, for example, don't have the greatest reputation because they're so unpredictable. Stone can speak to this. He bitches and moans about it all the time. Unless you win games. And by the way, after that game against Indy, I did pick you up. I added you on the waiver wires. Ah, ah. You that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get on this guy. Right. But, um, but, but, but is that part of the frustration? Because in this day and age now, right, I mean, it's all committee – backfields gone are the days where guys toting the rock 25 30 times a game yeah no it uh it comes with the job you know what i mean you you know um unless you know you're you're the the bell cow you know unless you're the pro bowl the all pro you know that your opportunity to get you know the 15 20 carries a game is going to be limited limited um not to mention you know people you know they they know that it's a good game plan to have a good change of pace. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Have a good change of pace back there or to bring somebody fresh in after a couple of carries. And um, so, you know, I, I knew that was a part of the job, you know, but at the same time, you know, being my type of running back, I always like to just, you know, let the defense feel me. I need 10 carries. I need eight to 10, you know what I mean? Early in the game. So that was frustrating, you know, in some instances. And then, you know, having to be on the bench and having to stay warmed up, that was also another tough thing, but, you know, it's a part of the job. You know, you just kind of one of those things that you just bite your lip and you just take it and you got to just be ready. Well, especially for you, I mean, when you look at your size and your running style, you you really were a good fit here because you were that that back that, that they can use on first and ten or second and short, third and short, hard one-cut runner who squares up and can accelerate and separate at the second level. I mean – in a perfect world, right? You'd be the ideal complement to that slasher type that 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 can get into space and and make guys miss. You're not gonna. That wasn't your style. You weren't necessarily gonna make a guy miss. You actually enjoyed throwing your shoulder down and running through a guy. And so, knowing that in this day and age, teams try to find that balance between that that slasher type that can make multiple cuts versus that. One cut guy your size that can square up and run people over. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Um, there's definitely been a change in the league in terms of they nowadays they're just looking for a guy that can do both. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Even more so of a pass catcher. Um, but at, you know, you, but then you start to see a guy like Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? Where that style is still very much in play. You know what I mean? When you get a good mm -hmm. one that can be productive and, you know, last for an entire, you know, 17-game season now, it's very beneficial. Um, you know, so now you're starting to see more and more backfields that are carrying, you know, at least one or two big guys now. Uh, even before in the past, it wasn't even like that. Doris, real quick, one more last one from me. Um, the way this had, everything ended here uh, with Tom Brady and, you know, the crumbling of the dynasty, if you want to call it that, uh, how surprised were you that 
it ended that way? And, and why do you think it ended that way? You know, I wasn't really surprised. Um, I knew that, you know, just in terms of a lot of the things that were coming out, when it started getting leaky, like when the leaks started coming out and things started coming out, I was like, okay, that normally doesn't happen in this type of organization where everything is kept inside and, you know, everything is dealt with internally. When those things started to come out and then, you know, seeing, you know, one thing that I realized that about Tom's routine is having Alex Guerrero. So when that whole thing happened where Alex wasn't going to be on the sideline and, you know, the road games and all that, whatever happened with that, that's when I kind of, I was like, they, they have to literally win a Super Bowl to patch all this up. Um, that's, that's the way I started to think about it. And, and I think that, you know, 20 years with the team, you know, I think he was looking for something different for himself, you know, and to see if he can do it on his own. Um, you know what I mean? And see if he can have a bigger impact on an entire team and help him put together a roster and having more say in go, what goes on day to day. You know, I think he wanted that control. And, you know, he didn't get that. So, you know, between the situation with Alex and, you know, wanting more control and not getting it and having certain players leave that, you know, he wanted to play with, I, I, I can kind of see it crumbling. You know, I can kind of see it happening, um, you know, you know, before it even did, um, you know, but I think that, you know, the jury's still out. The jury's still out. I know Tom won the Super Bowl and, you know, that was great. He did that in his, you know, first year without Bill. But I think, you know, given everything that Bill dealt with, and, you know, we, even, we were even talking about it, the teaching, the walkthroughs, all this, they couldn't do any of that stuff last year. Um, you know, could barely be together in a hotel. Um, so, you know, to have a full offseason, to get a great complement of players, to have a chance with his defensive players, to have a chance to bring in new players throughout the year and work them out and tweak the roster a bunch. That's all Bill Belichick. You know, he didn't even get a chance to do all the great things he's really good at. And so that's why I think that, you know, the jury's still out. And I think this is going to be a big year, um, you know, dealing with, you know, Bill's legacy and, you know, what it could mean from the Patriots going forward. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have lost sight of that around here. Jonas is the fact that, yeah, they went 7-9, and nine, and it's easy to look at the record and the performance of Cam Newton and the performance of the team and say, well, no Tom Brady, no chance. And I understand that. And, of course, things are compounded when Brady goes to Tampa and wins his seventh Super Bowl. But I don't think people realize how important that stuff is to all 32 teams, let alone an organization that prides itself on coaching situational football and the way they teach, that's their edge. And not to have the access to the players to do the things you do that gives you that edge, well, that could be the difference between winning seven and ten games and getting into the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the fact that Bill was able to get that team to seven and nine was not was sort of, was not short of a miracle. I, I'm telling you, that roster, I mean, I, I know a bunch of the guys, they're obviously good players, but the roster wasn't competitive with the rest of the league, you know, just in terms of just being able to bring in new players and have guys fit your system. You know, even from the outset, Bill didn't have the thing that he made popular, um, you know, having those uh, inter-squad training camps, you know, those different teams come in, like he didn't even have that this off season, um, you know, the, the COVID off season, you know, that's when he did a lot of evaluating in real game situations where guys would be in scrimmages against other teams and practices. So not having that, 
not having the offseason, not having the walkthroughs, not being able to bring in new talent and, you know, uh, work guys out. That, that was every that's the Patriot way right there. That's it. That the entire gambit of it, the, you know, everything is, you know, the offseason, the end season, the adjustments, um, you know, even from that time we were on the Cincinnati, you know what I mean? Even the time when, you know, everyone thought Garoppolo would take over for Tom and he threw six picks against Kansas City, you know, so it is it, one of them things that you just keep tweaking the roster. You keep making changes and Bill didn't have that ability. Um, to use his best ability. So I'm looking forward to them having a good year, definitely. Yeah, so am I, especially with the additions that they made in free agency. And they also had a terrific draft. And, of course, you know, it was that 2014 season when when the, the speculation started about Tom Brady's future in New England. Who knew that uh, his tenure here would last another five years and that they would win three more Super Bowls? Finally, Jonas, if if – there's a young person out there watching this, listening to this. What is one piece of advice you would give a young athlete in terms of having the opportunity to set themselves up to have a successful athletic career? What would you say to them they need to do in order to get to the levels that you have gotten? Obviously, athletic ability, the talent is a big part of it. But what else do they need to do in order to achieve like you have in your career? I think the most important thing is, you know, just being open and willing to be vulnerable, you know, because you got to be vulnerable in a lot of different instances. You know, first you're vulnerable when it comes to, you know, just getting out there and playing and, and training and, and taking, putting yourself out there and doing extra work after the, after practice and, you know, going with a trainer and, you know, there's that opportunity where sometimes you, you get the FOMO. You know, you get the fear of missing out. You you feel like, you know, maybe I'm sacrificing something I shouldn't be. My friends are doing this. You know, it's all worth it because you're willing to be vulnerable. You're willing to be different. You're willing to be uncommon by doing the extra work, doing what it takes, and believing in your own goals. You know, that was the one thing about me. I had a goal of playing in the NFL, and people doubted me, and they kept second-guessing it. And kept, but I was okay with being vulnerable, being different, doing the extra work having people see me do the extra work, having people see my body change and what it would take and how hard I, you know, how, how hard I would go and, you know, how my body would feel after, how beat up I would be. You know, all of that is worth it. It's all worth it in terms of being vulnerable. And that's the only way you ever are able, you're, you're ever are going to be able to figure out your own routine. It's to try new things, be vulnerable, Diversify your training, diversify your workouts, try yoga, try meditation, whatever it is. There's no magic, magic pill to getting success other than hard work. That's it. Well, it's an awesome message, my friend. And, and, and I think it's it's spot on, especially in this day and age. I still think hard work is is the key to success. Well, Jonas, this was awesome, man. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. And uh, you know what, my friend? We'd love to have you on again during the season talking Patriots football. So you have an open invite to be on with us anytime you'd like. Absolutely. This is awesome. Kevin, Jason, appreciate you guys. All right, Jonas. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. For Kevin Stone, I'm John Serenitas. Until next week, peace. See ya.